0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB today. My name is Joe O'Rico and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at Joe ORICO99. All of my fantasy baseball content comes out over there, whether it be these podcasts, my articles, different Twitter threads. It's all in one place for you guys, so please do go check me out over on Twitter. I want to give you guys a bit of a heads up that I am dealing with a pretty damn sore throat today. I've been drinking tea all morning. That's why this show is a little bit later than usual just trying to get it into a state where I could actually talk uninterrupted for half an hour 40 minutes. It might it'll probably be shorter than 40 minutes today. Going to try and be a little bit more concise than I usually am. I, I'm known to go on tangents here and there, but we're going to try and give you the facts today and leave it pretty much at that. A little bit of advice thrown in there as usual, but dealing with some discomfort so we're not going to ramble on like we typically do here, but we're going to do Pretty standard show. We'll look back on yesterday's top performers. We'll comb through the ads and the drops today, see who are the popular names over on the waiver wire. And then we'll talk about a couple of matchups that I'm going to be keeping an eye on today. We will, of course, though, start with yesterday's top performer, and that would be Max Muncy. He had a couple of home runs. He drove in three. He scored three. Max Muncy is such a hard player to nail down this season. He's got eligibility across the infield first, second, and third. He's batting typically in the middle of one of the best lineups that we've seen in some years in baseball, but yet he's been himself just such a disappointment for the majority of the year. Batting 192, the home runs haven't really been there until recently. He has seven in this last month, but it's only got him up to 18 on the year. I mean, last year he had 36. We just haven't seen it from him at all, and he's a guy who... I've moved on from, in most cases, there were times where I dropped him in league and then picked him back up later on and then dropped him again. It's been an absolute roller coaster. At this point of the season, though, he is performing relatively well. He's got that power stroke pretty much. I mean, yesterday's two home runs. Before that, we had looked at a couple weeks before his previous home run. But still, seven over the course of a month. He'll take that even if it's not, you know, one per week, two per week kind of thing. He's still producing as a whole. Not in the batting average category, but in the other places recently. Like I said, runs, homers, and RBIs. He's been there. He's been batting fourth and fifth in the Dodger lineup. So I think that he is worthy of a roster spot. He's just someone who I I don't feel great in saying that about. Because he's just gone on these awful cold streaks this season. Where he goes 0 for 20s and just useless. Just useless, no fantasy value. But at this point right here, he is performing. He's got... He's got probably the best lineup in baseball around him to help him out with those runs and RBI. So I I like having Max Muncy on a team at this point. I don't know if I'd start him every single day, but I think that he shouldn't be too widely available. He's at 81% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. Might be the odd one where you can find him there. But overall, this season has been a huge disappointment for him. But if he can make up a little bit of that value now, maybe we view it a little bit differently. Kind of similarly to what I was saying about Bo Bichette yesterday, now he has not been a disappointment to the same level um, that Max Muncy has been. Bobuchet still throughout the season has given you serviceable fantasy value, but he is on one right now that is like we haven't seen from him in a while. But he this is like a patented Bobuchet hot streak, as uh, Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez will say on the Blue Jays broadcast. He can go on these crazy streaks, and we've seen that right now. And he hit another home run yesterday after the previous day hitting three. If you look at his stats, over his last 31 at-bats, he has 16 hits, 10 runs, 14 ribbies, five homers. He's crazy. Um, now, I was talking yesterday about maybe he's going to be discounted next year, a la what we saw with Francisco Lindor this year. Um, but if he keeps hitting like this over these last few weeks, we're not going to see much of a discount for Boba Maybe we get him at the third round, but he's going to ruin that discount that we've that we've baked in for him all of this season now with this great play. And I will absolutely take that. As a Blue Jay fan, we need everybody performing right here. And I also have some shares in fantasy, so I'll obviously take that as well. But I just hate the fact that we're not going to be able to get him at such a dip next year. It'll it'll still be a dip from where it was this year. He won't be a top-five pick. But I think he's going to play himself back into that top 25, and that kind of sucks because if you can get him as your fourth or fifth player, I mean – I, I've used a Lindor comp a few times. I think it's a pretty solid comp. I got Lindor mostly in the fifth round this year, and those teams where I do have him are mostly very successful teams, first, second, or third place teams that all have a really good chance of winning the league. So if that's the kind of situation I can see with Bo, I think maybe we get him in the third at this point, maybe the fourth. It's hard to say. It's it's Things are still changing pretty rapidly here in these last couple of weeks I've seen Corbin Carroll get dropped in 5% of leagues over these last couple days because, you know, there's a couple of games of overs and people, people have changed their opinions very quickly in fantasy. We, I've used this term a lot too, knee-jerk reactions. We react right away when we see something and with Corbin Carroll going off topic here a little bit, and I said I wouldn't go off topic, but there you go, that's me. Uh, I don't understand why people are dropping him. I don't think that that makes a hell of a lot of sense. It's not a ton of leagues, but he was up at like 51, 52% rostered. He's now at like 46 I would be holding on if you did, but it just goes to show you how drastically value can change in the span of a couple of days. You know, a week ago, Corbin Carroll, or right when he got called up, however many days ago it was, immediate must add everybody. Oh my god! And he's still in that same boat, but now people are already trying, starting to turn on him a little bit. So I don't get it. It just goes to show you uh, how in flux everybody's value can be. But Bobichet, I think end of year, if he finishes as a top twenty player at this point. It wouldn't surprise me the way he can really, really go off. Uh, I want to just quickly check where he ranks in Yahoo at the moment. 34. He's got himself up to 34. He's the number one player in the last week and the number one player in the last two weeks. That will really do a lot for you. But like I said, it'll kind of suck uh, going into next season a little bit. Let's talk about Bo's old teammate here, Randall Grichuk somebody who I was kind of hot and cold on during his time in Toronto. He does have some power, but he can be pretty streaky. However, right now he's on one of those pretty solid streaks. Over the last month, 90 at bats, he has 29 hits, four homers, it's a three twenty-two batting average. I remember when he got traded, people were pretty excited going to Colorado, and it does make you a little bit more excited, but I think that the common misconception with Colorado, with Coors Field, is that you just hit a shit ton of home runs there, no matter who you are, and that's kind of more true than the average ballpark. You're going to have more power at Coors Field than you would at, say, I don't know, Comerica, the first one that comes to mind. But it's not the number one park when you're actually talking about hitting home runs. And when you talk about hitting home runs, the number one park by a long shot is actually Great American Ballpark. So when you go to Coors Field, it does have it's tied for the highest park factor with Great American Ballpark at 111. They're both at 111. And that's on a scale where 100 is league average. Uh, those are the two best ballparks. But I think that we do in our head think, oh, the guy's going to Coors. It's a 50-home run season. It's going to be crazy. It's like Coors is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8th on the list of home run friendly ballparks. It's squished between uh, the Phillies Park and Oriole Park. And I mean, this is a three-year rolling average. So Oriole Park would probably be further down if uh, we just go for this year. But I say all that just to kind of like remind you guys that Coors is more of a boost for batting average than it is for home runs. It's still definitely a plus park for home runs. You're going to hit a few more there than you typically would in other parks. But the main thing that you get out of that is an increased batting average. And we've seen it this year with Randall Gritchick. He's batting 272, which is his highest mark. I mean, we, I'm going to throw away the 2020 season because it's only 55 games. He a 273 there. His highest mark going back to 2015 when he was batting 276. But for the career, he's like a 250 guy. He's gotten a little bit of a boost there at Coors. And he's also stolen a couple bases for you this year. Not that that's been a major driving factor behind his value. But you'll take three stolen bases any day of the week. His total stat line here, fantasy-wise, 52 runs, 15 homers, 64 RBIs, three steals, and a 272 average. He is 166th ranked player for the season, which is not going to blow you away. But, I mean, if you're talking standard 12-team draft, that's like 13th round or something, that's that's well worth being rostered in most cases. He's only 46% owned right now in Yahoo Leagues. I think that he makes for a pretty strong add the rest of the way. If you're looking for a little bit of a power boost, and even at this point of the year, like we said with Coors, a little bit of a batting average boost. He's not going to be the sexiest name to pick up, but he should be able to provide you a pretty solid baseline uh, of production over this last, I guess it's, Four weeks now. We're officially like, I guess it was a month, a couple of days ago, it would have been officially a month till the end of the season because I believe it's October 5th is the last day we have baseball this year. But yeah, I think that Grichuk should be a pretty solid ad uh, over these last few weeks. If you're in a five outfielder format, absolute must roster, I think. And I think if you're in a 12 team and deeper league where there's three outfielders, that would be where I would start to look at him. Let's talk quickly about Framber Valdez here. Six and two thirds yesterday. The bad part was the four walks, which you're never going to be a huge fan of there. But 11 strikeouts, two earned runs, uh, still a quality start for him. 264 ERA on the year with 161 strikeouts in 170 innings, 14 wins. I think that he's going to get some down ballots of Cy Young votes. I want to pull up the, the betting lines real quick and just see where he sits. But he should be on there somewhere, I think. He is three, four, five, sixth in odds. I mean, it's going to be either Verlander or Cease or... I guess if there's some miracle, maybe McClanahan, but for Amber Valdez, man, like who would have thought that he would take this kind of step forward? Obviously the ground ball rate with him has always been a huge factor, but he's always been, you know, I mean, I've always thought he was kind of underrated, but I didn't, I didn't think that he would have had this kind of season in him where he's like a top five, top seven pitcher in the American league. It's been fantastic for the Astros. They're a team where you kind of just as the average uh, fan looking around baseball, you're kind of jealous of their rotation. I mean, they have just constantly, like they trade away Jake Odorizzi, who is not a great pitcher by any means, but just looking at my Blue Jays, like we would happily take Jake Odorizzi right now. A lot of teams would happily take a guy like that. Uh, and the Astros are just so stacked with depth. I know that they've lost uh, Verlander, but they're still pretty, pretty okay there in terms of their starters. And Framber Valdez, I mean, <clears throat> other than Verlander has been their best pitcher this season. So Great to see. I'm curious where he'll be drafted next year, which is where my content is going to start to shift a little bit now at the end of the season, heading into the offseason, projecting roughly where I think that people will get drafted. And I think with Framber Valdez firmly secured inside of the top 100, where inside of the top 100, though, I'm not too sure. And I kind of want to see where he was being drafted last season. I don't think it was too high, but I'm going to pull up the, the NFBC site and just see where he was going in high-stakes leagues. Uh, let's take a look here. Framer Valdez, a 143 ADP last season. No question he will exceed that this year. I think probably in that 80-ish range, off the top of my head, I think he'll probably be maybe even a little bit higher, like a top 70-ish pick. Depends on how he finishes out the season. I think that people tend to go for those like big, big strikeout pitchers and guys that can give you you know, massive home runs, massive steals. Those are the guys that dominate your first few rounds. I think a guy like Valdez probably goes in the 5th, 6th round in standard 12 teamers. It could vary a little bit, maybe 5th to 7th round at this point, we'll say tentatively, but he's going to be a really solid value again next season. Uh, This year, he's well, well outperformed his ADP by like 100 picks. So, great job if you have some Valdez. I have one share. I'm very happy where I do, and just enjoy the ride the rest of the season. There's no move to be made here. You start him with confidence. It's a quality start every time out for Framberg. I do want to talk about Nico Horner here for a sec because he's still producing and he's still one of the more undervalued players across all of fantasy. So yesterday he reached base four times. It was a single, a triple, a walk, and a hit-by-pitch. He scored three runs, and he also stole a base. For the life of me, I cannot understand why he is below 50% rostered on Yahoo. He's still at 49, and he's not moving up or down. 0% change this last week. People are just kind of either... Maybe people are just fully zoned out of baseball at this point. It's not. not. People are still making ads and drops. I I don't get it. I really don't get it. For the season, 47 runs, 47 RBIs, both very solid. Eight home runs from a guy who really never hits home runs. Just going to pull up his stats here. It's like the last time this guy had hit a home run in the majors was 2019. He's got 17 steals. He had never done that before at the majors or the minors, his highest that he'd ever had was in double A in 2019 at any individual level where he had 8 steals. 17 this year. It's not something you would have expected, but you're going to take it for sure. 5 over the last month, he's he's producing there. The batting average, he's at 2.83. Last year it was 3.02. We know that he is a guy who can produce, you know, somewhere in that 275 to 300 batting average. Why is it that people don't want to add him up? I don't know. They don't have faith that the home runs can sustain. Well, even if the home runs don't sustain, the average and the steals are enough to give you proper value there. I'd like to see him as a leadoff hitter. Personally, I think that that would be really great. He's usually batting five or six in that lineup. I think the power, or excuse me, the speed, mixed with the batting average, that should be a one or two spot. But it's the Cubs. They'll do what they're going to do. I just don't see why a guy who is eligible in the middle infield positions, which are pretty primo, especially second base, um, I don't know why he's still available in so many leagues at an important time of year maybe people just don't have the ads left i I don't know it there's every time I try and rationalize it it's like no that that's not it people have ads they use ads every week people are adding players up today and Nico Horner's just not one of them I don't understand it it's something that I think should change I've written about him for God I guess it's been like a couple of months since I first suggested him as a pickup and He's not been, you know, a super, superstar. He's not that guy. He's just a quality baseline guy. Even if you don't want to start him, he's an ideal bench guy. I personally have him in a 12-teamer where I start him every single day, and it's been worthwhile. 163rd-ranked player on the season. He's in that same kind of range as Randall Gritchuk, and he's producing value. So I would go out and add Nico Horner. It's not like you're going to have to be fighting over people for him because he's just sitting there, but there's probably somebody providing you less right now than what Nico Horner is. That's something I can almost guarantee. Let's keep it going here with our waiver wire segment where I just talk about the most added and dropped players on a given day across fantasy. Today, Bailey Falter is our number one add, and he's been added up in almost 12,000 leagues. People are really all in on Bailey Falter. He's had a few good starts in a row. It's three straight games with a victory for him. 18 in the third innings, 15 strikeouts in that time. A two forty five ERA and a .76 whip. He gets the Miami Marlins. That one's at 6.45 p.m. I think he's probably about as strong of a streamer as you're going to find today. There's a couple of guys I'm going to mention here in a minute who are probably a little bit stronger. One in particular, but he's likely already taken. So Bailey Falter is the best guy you're going to find today below 50, below 30% roster today. I, I think that he makes for a pretty strong option. Cal Raleigh is the next guy being scooped up a lot, and it is because he is hitting a hell of a lot of home runs at this point. Eight over the last month, five over his last two weeks, and four of them in the last 19 at-bats. Now, he is getting the seat today, which does happen with catchers. He gets a seat maybe every three or four games, so he's probably more of a daily changes guy. I'm I'm pretty in on him, but the only thing he's really giving you is home runs. He's giving you a poor batting average. Obviously, he's a catcher. He's not going to steal your bases. He's got one for the season, but obviously that's that's pretty fluky. The production is just kind of a little bit hit or miss. But I mean, the production from catchers as a whole is kind of hit or miss. This is pretty much a you tell me kind of situation. Depending on your catcher, I'm probably okay to just stick it out. But I mean, okay, why don't we just go through the top few catchers worth of uh, worth of value this season? So. Season total, the number one catcher for the year is Real Mudo. Obviously, you're not switching out. Okay, let's just list off the guys you're obviously not going to be switching them out for. Real Mudo, Smith, Varsho, Wilson Contreras is on the injured list, so maybe that makes for a decent little swap right there. But generally, no, you're not going to be dropping Contreras for him. Kirk, Murphy, Darno, Perez, William Contreras, Rutschman, and then we have Cal Raleigh, or Raleigh. So he is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Now he's like maybe a 12 team catcher. I don't think he's a 10 team guy, but maybe what you can do is replace Wilson Contreras for him. I think that that might be a decent option if you still can. And that's probably why a lot of people are adding him up today. Uh Wilson Contreras is expected to miss I don't let me take a look at this uh, IL report. It's an ankle uh 10 days retroactive to September the 3rd. So it shouldn't be that big of a deal here. Only only really a few days that he's going to be off for maybe a week at most. But well, Rayleigh's hot. Rayleigh, Raleigh, Jesus, I can't get that one straight in my head. Well he's hot. I I don't I'm not so opposed to picking him up here. I just he's not gonna give you much other than home runs. But home runs do give you uh runs and RBIs as well, obviously. So it's not the end of the world, but the batting average is pretty tough uh to swallow there at two ten. Even these last couple weeks while he's been hot, one ninety four average. So do with that what you will, but I, I, I hate guys who who Very, very low batting average. It's generally kind of hard for them to have value. But at the same time, uh, with all the home runs he's hitting, he is still a top 100 player this last month. So we'll move on from Raleigh, Raleigh, Jesus. I said I wouldn't ramble, and here I am rambling. So let's move on to Elvis Andrews, who we did mention yesterday. He's somebody who I think can be a pretty strong ad. He's been pretty good over these last couple of weeks, uh, 17 for his last 53, few home runs, uh, batting 321 in that span. I mentioned yesterday that you know he's not going to be very highly ranked for the season, 352. But he's given you 49 runs, 11 homers, 8 steals, and a 245 average. He's not bad. I think he's more of a 15-team guy. Maybe you stream him in 12s because he's on a bit of a roll right now. But even then, I don't think that's really necessary with Elvis Andrews. This role is the three home runs that he has in the last week, and that's really not something that's going to be a huge part of his game. So 15-teamers, I'm all right with it. Uh, Anything shallower than that, I don't think he's really going to cut it. The next guy being added is Patrick Sandoval, and he has really turned his season around for the last month plus. He's been one of the better pitchers in all of baseball, really. Over the last 27 innings, two wins, 25 strikeouts, a 167 ERA, and a point-eight-nine whip. Now, for the season, his ERA sits at 3.02. The whip is still a little high at 1.34. He's had some walk trouble. But recently, he's taken care of business. Now, for a while there, you might have said, It was some pretty bad opponents he was beaten up on. Uh, Granted, Tampa's not bad, but there was Detroit where he had that really good start. Uh, Seattle, Minnesota, he did well. Texas, you know, it's not the highest level of competition, but then he really took care of the Yankees his last time out, giving you a little bit more confidence. Now, where you really have confidence today is the fact that he's facing those same Tigers that he pitched a complete game against just a couple of weeks ago. I'm really liking that. Obviously, the Angels do kind of suck. But there should be a decent chance for a win for somewhere in the ballpark of five to eight strikeouts. Last time he pitched against him, he had nine. So he could hypothetically touch double digits here. Uh, The thing with him is he's only 73% rostered, which is very low still for a guy like Sandoval. The wins have not been there, which is why his overall ranking is suppressed. But he's striking out more than a batter per inning. ERA, like I said, hovering right around three. He should be rostered more leagues than he is, especially ahead of this matchup. He would be my number one target tonight, expecting that he's already probably scooped up, so I'd go with Falter. If you can still get Sandoval, and I'll quickly just check here. Uh, No, none of my leagues on Yahoo, at least he is available. So we'll have to settle for Falter, but I think I'm probably just going to hold off. For the most part, the leagues that I've had uh, this week so far, I'm I'm just focusing on Yahoo right now. Those leagues, the pitching has actually been really good. I had some good outings from Nola and Framer Valdez, so... I don't know if I'm going to be desperate to stream, and that's another important thing that I guess I'll touch on while we're here. And I've I've mentioned this before. Don't stream for the sake of streaming because you have ads left or because you think that the guy is a good option. If your categories are already doing very well, then you should be more cautious. I'll just give you the example of my main home league right now. I've outpitched the other guy, almost 15 innings. I have a 2-1-1 ERA. He has a 7-3-6 ERA. I'm starting only my best pitchers the rest of the week. So Eric Lauer today at Colorado. He's sitting down. Uh, Alex Cobb against the Dodgers. He's sitting down. As much as I like those guys, specifically Cobb, I don't need to start them. So if you don't need to use a player, don't start them for the sake of he's a really good player. This is a great matchup. I'm going to start him. It's like I've been known to do that in the past, but it's really not the wisest thing you can do. You need to just look at realistically how many strikeouts can my opposing pitcher, can my opponents pitchers get today? Is it 10 max? Is it 15? Is it 30? Uh, and kind of just recognize in each category what their best and worst case scenario is and try and plan for generally like a median outcome. But I, I, that's something I really want to stress, and I probably should have stressed it more throughout this season. Do not start somebody just because they have the start. If they have the start and you need them and you know everything is looking good and the matchup's good and you need a couple of strikeouts and a win or whatever, okay. But if it's just like the situation I just described, and you have a 2 ERA and your opponent has a 7 ERA, let them try and work their way down to two as opposed to you working your way up to seven. That would be my general advice on that one. Jake McCarthy will talk about. He's also being added up today. Another stolen base for him. He's an absolute must roster player. I will admit that I was wrong about Jake McCarthy. I didn't think that he would have much playing time. I thought that with Corbin Carroll coming up, he would probably be the one who got squeezed out. It has not happened. He's been producing home runs, steals. We read out his stat line over the last month yesterday. If you guys missed yesterday's show, 17 homers, 23 RBIs, 10 steals, four homers, a 337 batting average. In the past month, he is the number two ranked player. The last two weeks, he is the number three ranked player. He's up to 59% rostered. Absolutely, go get yourself some Jake McCarthy, O'Neill Cruz. He's also being added up. That game that they're playing today is already started. It's a doubleheader against the Mets, and it is already uh, it's one nothing Mets. When, oh, no, it is not one nothing Mets. It is five nothing Mets at the time of me recording this. That is ugly stuff. But O'Neal Cruz, I don't know why he is still available in so many leagues. 49% rostered right now. Obviously, that has jumped up and down a little bit when he first got called up. I think it was up to like, I think it hit about 75 in that range, and then it started to slowly come down a little bit. Now he's picking it up a little bit recently. Over his last couple of weeks, 43 at-bats, he's got three homers and nine RBIs. Over the last month, it's four homers, 10 RBIs, and a steal. The batting average is really what's going to hold you back with O'Neill Cruz. I think it's something that he can improve on. A uh, 213 is not going to always be what it is, I don't think. But those home runs and those steals are very real, especially the home runs. I don't know that I've seen somebody with the kind of power that O'Neill Cruz has like, I, I don't know, guys. I'm not the oldest guy around, but that kind of exit velocity from O'Neill Cruz, like, it doesn't even look like he's trying. It looks like it's literally, like, there's the odd swing that's, like, a fairly lazy swing, it looks like. I'm sure it's not, but that's the appearance of, okay, he's he's taking a cut, but it's just, you know, your standard cut. And then you look at the exit velocity, it's, like, 117 miles an hour. Like, what the hell is going on in this bat? Do we need to crack it open and see what the hell's inside? Like, how is he how is he doing this at his age? And he's a pretty slender guy. I know he's a tall guy, but he's not, like, a big, muscular dude. It's just something about him, man. Like, he can hit those home runs. 13 homers in 230 at-bats, 6 steals. I think that he can be – and we're going to talk about this later in the week with Rob DiPietro. We're going to talk about some rookies from this year and where we expect him to get drafted next year. And O'Neal Cruz is a really curious one for me. I'm thinking he'll probably be around pick 100 inside, roughly, but – very hard to tell. For right now, I would be adding him up. Shortstop eligible, but that's still, I mean, depending on your team, maybe you're all set. One of my teams, I have Bichette and Lindor already. There's no room for O'Neill Cruz. As much as I'd like to have him, I just I can't put him on there because there's no, there's no room for him. i got Bichette in the, in the shortstop and Lindor in the utility slot. Most cases, though, uh, O'Neill Cruz is somebody that you should absolutely go ahead and add. That power mixed with that speed, mixed with the, incre- uh, the improved average recently, Uh, All signs, to me, point towards uh, O'Neal Cruz being a very strong ad. And obviously, he'll just keep getting better and better as he gets more comfortable in the big. So go ahead and get him while you can. Let's move on now and talk about some of the more dropped players today. Taiwan Walker, he is the number one drop. He did not have a great effort uh, yesterday against the Pirates. It was four runs on six hits over five innings. He struck out three. And he's listed as day-to-day with a finger problem. I'm not sure if that was something that was announced yesterday or what's going on with his finger, Uh, no IL stint or anything like that, but he has been dropped uh, almost 5,000 leagues on Yahoo. This one makes sense to me because he hadn't really been performing much recently. It had been for a while the best season, excuse me, the best season of Taiwan Walker's career. We talked about this in, I think, June or July that he was on pace to have his best season, and it's been pretty downhill um, roughly since then, maybe a little bit after. He just hasn't been doing it for a while now. His last really good start, I guess you'd say it was August 10th against Cincinnati. That was probably the last, like, really good one. He was serviceable against the Yankees later in August. But if you can't get through the Pirates right now, that's, that's a concern. That is for sure a concern, obviously with this finger problem, too. I'm all right with dropping Taiwan Walker. I think that there's some better options out there for streaming. Go get yourself a solid relief pitcher. If you're, if you're somebody who's not big on streaming starters, consider streaming relievers, and not even just streaming them, just rostering them, guys. Like Jason Adam... Andres Munoz, Joanne Duran, those guys are really good fill-ins. Even in the short term, if you maybe you need a drop walker, you just don't know who exactly to pick up. <clears throat> Excuse me again. Sorry, guys, my throat. Go for Jason Adam or go for one of those high-leverage relievers who can get you the odd save, a lot of strikeouts. That would be my general wisdom. Maybe you want to try and get yourself a uh, Patrick Sandoval or a Bailey Falter or maybe even, who knows, depending on your league, maybe possibly even George Kirby. Go ahead and upgrade uh, from Walker. I think that the time has come to drop him. Next guy being dropped, pretty standard for us here, is a lot of the drops are the previous day starters. But Kyle Bradish, we knew this one was coming yesterday on the show. It was a bit of a trap after good outings against Houston and against Cleveland. He was kind of due for a bad one. The Jays have been surging. It was not a great one here for him. It was three runs on six hits over three-plus innings. Uh, he struck out uh, three batters. Nothing great out of Kyle Bradish. He's obviously somebody that you can uh, pretty comfortably move on from. Cole Irvin is another guy here. And this one is just, honestly, it kills me because he was supposed to start last week. I forget who his second start was supposed to come against, but it was pushed. um, Let me just take a look, actually. I think it was the the Orioles. Yeah, it was supposed to be the second start of the week against the Orioles on Sunday. And they pushed him back, and he gets the Braves, and I dropped him wherever because the main reason I added up Cole Irvin last week was for the two-step. Without the two-step, you were looking at one outing against the Nationals, which granted, yeah, it's still probably worth a stream, but the main reason I wanted him in there was the two-step. And Jesus Christ, last night, that start against Atlanta, he gave up nine earned runs, no decision somehow, uh, nine runs on nine hits. Just absolutely brutal for Cole Urban. He was so strong. Like, what happened? July, he was, he was amazing in July. He was taking care of the Astros, it seemed, every week. He had, like, three really good starts against them. In the span of from July 10th to July 27th, he took care of them three times. It's very, very weird. I mean, he is somebody who's not going to be a massive strikeout pitcher, and he was probably getting a little bit lucky, but he was doing it for a good while, and I had a lot more faith in him than what he has ended up producing for us here, especially recently. I've titled shows. You know, Cole Irvin is hot right now. Cole Irvin is this, Cole Irvin is that. Over the last month, Cole Irvin has an ERA that is north of six. You got to get him out of your teams at this point. Uh, his next start will be against the Rangers. Probably he will rebound to some degree. I mean, you, you, you have to hope that he can. He's given up 14 runs in his last two appearances here, over 10 innings. But, like, oh, man. It, it hurts. There's certain ones. We mentioned it yesterday. Justin Steele. There are certain players where I really heavily invested in them, and it just hurts to talk about Cole Urban. I was a big fan of the guy. I still like him, but at this point of the year, he is a no-go uh, fantasy-wise for sure. Let's talk Jose Quintana. I don't know why he's been dropped. He had a good start yesterday, five innings, one run. He got the victory, which was a big part of it, obviously. I added him up as a two-start streamer this week. He's really the only viable one left at this point because Justin Steele, we talked about it. His start got pushed back. Then he got put on the IL. A two-start week for him went into a zero-start week. But Jose Quintana in the first start of his week, very good job against the card. Or excuse me, against the Cardinals for the Cardinals against the Nationals. His next start will be against his old team in the Pirates. I don't think that there's much need to be rushing to drop him. I would probably just hold on and and start him this weekend. Uh, it's a good matchup. He knows that lineup. They know him, but he knows them a little bit, you know. So. I think that kind of thing is overblown. It offsets one another. The pitcher might know some tricks about the battery swings it, you know, he likes to swing at change-ups or whatever. The, the, and it works both ways. But I don't think that that's something we need to focus on too much. We need to look at the fact that they're pretty poor bats out there in Pittsburgh, and Quintana should be able to deal with them at least adequately, give you something similar to what he did here. Five innings, five strikeouts, hopefully be in line for the win with that strong offense behind him. I wouldn't be rushing to drop Quintana. 1,500 teams have today. I probably wouldn't, to be honest with you. Let's talk about Johnny Cueto, who is certainly still a risky option. It's still Johnny Cueto. He's not giving you a hell of a lot of strikeouts, but for whatever reason, he has been successful throughout this pretty much entire season, well, since he's been pitching anyway. Yesterday, it was one run on five hits over six innings against the Mariners. And, you know, after that start against the Diamondbacks a few times ago, or a couple starts ago on August 26th, I thought that we were going to start to see him just unravel and it was going to be really, really bad. But two strong bounce-back starts. Granted, one of them against Kansas City. doesn't matter, though. At this time of year, you'll take it. It doesn't matter if the guy's face in Oakland every single time. If that's what the schedule is, you will absolutely take it. And Johnny Cueto does get Oakland the next time out, which is why I mentioned it. I think that that's going to be a pretty interesting option. Obviously, it's Johnny Cueto. The bomb could explode at any second, and it might just get really ugly. But starting at the Coliseum in Oakland, I really like that ballpark. Obviously, I really like the Oakland lineup for streaming against because they are really not the best. Johnny Cueto should be a pretty decent option there. He's been dropped by just shy of a 1,000 teams today. I would probably just hold on. I would probably just hold on. Uh, The day, I'm not sure exactly which day, but I think it will be... uh, Will it be this week? Do we get a second start from Johnny Cueto this week? I should have checked that before I started today, but let's just take a look at the White Sox. It will be... Yeah, I think it will be Sunday. I think he will get the start on Sunday against the A's, 4.07 p.m. Eastern time. So I wouldn't be dropping him. You know, I don't know why so many people did. Maybe it's just a situation where you need to just constantly be streaming. Maybe you're in a league where there's no uh, no ads limit for the week, so you can just go ahead and stream to your heart's content. Maybe in that case you dropped him. I think I'm probably holding on to him. I think he's earned it at this point of the season uh there will be a bad one, I think, again. I think it will happen at some point, but uh, for, the, for right now, Johnny Cueto has earned our trust in a start against Oakland. Let me put it this way. If you're not going to start him against Oakland on Sunday, then you should just be dropping him because that's about as good of an option as you're going to find. Before I let you guys go for today, I do want to mention a couple of really strong pitching matchups that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. The first one here is Luis Castillo and Michael Kopech. Now, Castillo's coming off of a couple of really strong outings in a row against Cleveland both of them uh, combining for 12 innings, 9 hits, one earned run and 14 strikeouts in those appearances. He's been really great for the Mariners. For the season, a 2.72 ERA plus strikeout numbers. Obviously Luis Castillo I was disappointed in him coming into the year because of where I drafted him last year, but he has really had an excellent season. Can't complain. Should be a great matchup against the White Sox. On the other side, Michael Kopech. He's coming back off the IL. He had a knee issue and it was a hamstring issue. Overall, he has kind of disappointed this season. I mean, it's still a three-five-eight ERA and a 1-2-1 WHIP, which is not really that bad at all. But from where he started out uh, on June seven, uh, sorry, June twelfth, his ERA was one-ninety-two. So we had definitely bigger things in our mind for Michael Kopech than what actually ended up happening. But still pretty serviceable. This one should be a pretty solid matchup. The other one that I'm highlighting here is Alex Cobb versus Clayton Kershaw. Alex Cobb has been my darling this season. I'm going to be sitting him today personally where I own him because I'm just a little bit too risk averse. But back to back shutout outings for him seven against Philly, five against Minnesota, combining for 14 strikeouts. He's got the ERA down to 3.59, and it's pretty much as much as I could have hoped for from Alex Cobb after how he started the season with the bad luck and whatnot. Really interested to see how he does there. Clayton Kershaw, he's had one start since going back off the IL. It was five innings, one hit, one run ball. Obviously, right? It's Clayton Kershaw. Should be really good stuff from him again tonight because when he's been out there this season, granted he has missed some time—only ninety and a third innings—but a two-five-nine ERA, a point-nine-seven WHIP, seven and three record. It's still Clayton Kershaw. A couple of other things to just generally keep an eye on. I believe it's Degrom Day. It is Degrom Day. <clears throat> so if you are a better or a DFS player, he is facing the Pirates. So. Still time to call the bank and take out your entire life savings for that one. We have Spencer Strider facing up against Oakland in Oakland. Should be another really strong. I mean, if you're talking DFS, you need two pitchers. Without looking at pricing or anything, Strider and uh, and DeGrom is about as chalky as you're going to find it. That one or those two should be really strong options. The other matchup, we highlighted it yesterday, but there was a delay. Pushed it back to today. Joe Ryan and Garrett Cole both 10 and 7 records on the year. Ryan's ERA 3.88, Cole 3.28. Ryan a little bit disappointing as a whole. Garrett Cole giving you pretty much what you would expect uh, Garrett Cole to be giving you. So those are my matchups for the day, guys. I am going to let you go there because the throat is getting pretty sore. We need to get a refill on the tea and the halls and all the other good stuff. But I wish you guys, like I say every day at this time of year, best of luck. It is when you're winning money and championships and just that bragging rights between your friends or whoever you play with. So I hope everybody has good streams. If you are going to use streams, go for Sandoval if you can. He's probably probably your best option tonight. I'll leave you on that. I don't usually go back to this, but I'd probably try and go for Sandoval if you can't, then go for Bailey Falter. Uh, streaming is really important this time of year. Those fringy guys, I got a couple questions yesterday with like screenshots and it's like, do I go with Mike Minor or do I go with Freeland? And it's like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know. Like, that's pretty brutal. If you're in that kind of situation, you're in a pretty deep league. But try and go for the best, the best situation where you can, ballpark and everything else. I've said that yesterday, too, but I want to emphasize that stream is, streaming is really important this time of year. And it's the best way that you can actually win your leagues. I know if you're listening to this podcast at this time of year, you're probably a diehard. You're not just, you know, tuning in to figure out what fantasy baseball is like. You probably already know this stuff, but the more often you get told something, different people telling you information, I feel like it'll sink in. And that's something that I think is really important. It's probably pretty self-explanatory, but I see some people streaming in some crazy names. So that's why I did want to get it off one more time. That will do it for me, guys. Cheers. We will see you tomorrow.